for the first down and still on his feet. RG3 is going to outrace everybody. Roethlisberger looks, crosser, grab, he caught it, fights to the goal line, breaks the plane, touchdown Pittsburgh! That might win them the division! And the handoff to Tomlinson, left side, and he will gallop into the end zone! Charger fans are witnesses to history! And welcome in to the Blitz podcast, as always, or not as always, but I am your host today, Mr. Kane Schwartz, and I'm joined by Mr. Jaden Kozak. How we doing, man? We got these last four teams to go. It's pretty sad. Doing good. We're coming down the home stretch here after the 49s. We got three teams left. Um, Obviously, some of our best teams, some of our most exciting teams in the NFL, so it'll be a lot of fun to talk about. Yeah, for sure. We've got the uh, fourth-ranked 49ers on the docket today. Uh, Only three teams left. You can probably figure out who those teams are. Uh, If you've got any guesses on where the final teams are placed, uh, feel free to drop them in the comments on Instagram, on on YouTube. But love the interaction we've been seeing lately from all the subscriber numbers, all the likes, all the watches. So thank you guys for that. But let's dive into this fourth-ranked 49ers team. And we got to start with probably the most interesting point to talk about when it comes to this team, and that is the 49ers. So we got them coming in at 26th overall in the quarterback ranks. And that was kind of like the redhead stepchild ranking that we had because it was the big black box that (laughs) – saw you raise your hand uh but it was a big black box that we had at the bottom and usually good teams towards the top tend to have good quarterbacks and that was probably the last ranking remaining that was kind of weird like that and i mean it's weird for a reason brock Purdy was mr irrelevance uh comes in in a weird situation last year wasn't really expected to do much but he outplays his expectations which were zero and does much much more um, he finished 13th among 39 quarterbacks on PFF rating last year, so he's definitely balling out. Um, there's a lot of people say that he had an easy schedule, and that I could definitely hear that, man. But a lot of quarterbacks who, especially not considering that he was Mr. Irrelevant, but take that out of it. It's like a lot of quarterbacks will struggle with an easy schedule. And he went out there as Mr. Irrelevant, played super confident. You loved seem like how the confidence that he was playing with really is what I fall in love with with Brock Purdy, but confidence is in everything. So I want to hear your take on Brock Purdy. Yeah, I mean, I've got kind of a personal vendetta against Brock Purdy because obviously my quarterback drafted in the same draft class about six rounds, six to seven rounds earlier, um, gets compared to him a lot because they both got their full-time starting job at around the same time and – Purdy took off and to his credit, statistically did a lot better uh, than Kenny Pickett did. But I think there's, you know, you read a little bit between the lines and you kind of start seeing why. Obviously, you look at this group of playmakers, you know, he only played, I think he played a couple snaps in week seven. But outside of that, he only played once Christian McCaffrey got there, which you'll see in a second. We have this playmakers group very, very high. And that is going to help a quarterback like this running this Shanahan scheme. You know, we've seen a Jimmy Garoppolo run this scheme very well for a very long time. And the people that, you know, the old uh, Brock Purdy, Joe Montana, Steve Young graphics that I saw floated around around week 16 were, uh, quite frankly, a little insane. Um, But (laughs) it definitely helps when you've got this playmaking group here to help you out. And there is certainly value to having a quarterback that can play point guard like I always bring back the Jimmy Garoppolo reference like there is value to that but I think that's all Brock Purdy's going to bring you here like I think you know box score numbers he's probably going to look a little bit worse this year you know it's going to be kind of hard when you have a Debo Samuel who can take a screen for 70 yards or a Christian McCaffrey who is a huge mismatch problem George Kittle a huge mis- huge mismatch problem and Brandon Ayuk a very good receiver in his own right but you take a look uh per PFF big time throw percentage the only quarterback that had a lower big time throw percentage that started you know I think more than 6 or 7 games for any team was Daniel Jones uh among all quarterbacks that means anybody that threw a pass last year 
Um, Brock Purdy was 54th in big time throw percentage at 1.7%. Uh, and I'm granted the highest um, is PJ Walker with 8.2%. So it's, <laughs> you know, it's a lot of small percentages in there, but um, you know, he's not, he's not going out there winning you games. This is not a guy that you win because yes. of. And I think that that totally needs to be there. made clear among a lot of people. I think a lot of people understand that, but I think that needs to be said. Um, this is not a guy that you know is going to go out and force you to wins. This is a guy that's you're going to win with. You know, I I definitely think, especially with the San Francisco team, we have them at fourth for a reason. They can win with Brock Purdy, but there are going to be times, just like there was with Jimmy Garoppolo, um, you know, just like you know, even the like the Vikings with Kirk Cousins. We have a ten where you're like, I just wish he'd give me a little bit more. And they're always going to feel like that at quarterback. That's why they traded up for Trey Lance when they did two or three years ago when they had Jimmy Garoppolo, who's a perfectly fine quarterback. They're always going to feel like they can upgrade. And, you know, this roster is fantastic and is ready to go. And especially when they have this roster, they're always going to be like, man, you know, what if we went out and did this? Like, um, I, I don't know if I mentioned it actually on the podcast or if I just mentioned it, you know, in like an Xbox party or something like that. But the most perfect thing that the 49ers can do after this offseason, go sign Kirk Cousins. Like, he's going to be a free agent. It seems like the Vikings are going to let him go. I think that Kirk, you know, he's ran this scheme very well. And I don't want to... It's better know, than Jimmy Garoppolo, that's for sure. Yeah, and I don't want to dwell too much on a guy that's not on the roster currently. But, I don't know, I just feel like the I 49ers... I do like that are, idea. Yeah, I, I just always feel like the 49ers are going to want to upgrade over Brock Purdy. I think he's a fine quarterback. I think he is a starter in the NFL, which is not a lot of, you know, how many Mr. Irrelevance became starting quarterbacks in the NFL. I'm pretty sure the answer is zero. So definitely credit to him for that. I do think he's one of the 32 best quarterbacks in the NFL. That's why we have him at 26. But if you drop him in some of these situations like New England, like Houston, like Tennessee, are we getting top 32 play from Brock Purdy? That's the part that's unsure. Um but with a Kyle Shanahan here, uh, I think running, you're still getting top 32 play from Brock Purdy. If he's not, if he's not with a, because how many times have we seen C.J. Beathard? How many times have we seen Nick Mullins come in and play well for San Francisco? The only difference is, and this is a credit Brock to Brock Purdy. Purdy better, though. Brock Purdy he's is producing better. wins. Those guys yeah. put up numbers and they were losing. Brock Purdy put up numbers and they were winning. And that's why, you know, he is better than those guys. Those are backup level players. I think Brock Purdy is a starting level player. It's just, what's the ceiling with Brock Purdy? Like, if Brock Purdy balls out this year and plays like his best football, is he cracking the top half? I don't know. Like, when you actually break it down, because like... 30 like, touchdowns sounds like a lot for Brock Purdy. I know, well, but the thing is, like, if he gets the 30 touchdowns, who's getting more credit? Him right. or Christian McCaffrey? Him or George Kittle? Him or Debo Samuel? But like, at that point, it doesn't really matter, bro. Because like, they're scoring. He's executing the offense, and he's and like, that, I mean, they need that field general. That's always what they've. That's what for, you, you want know? in San Francisco is that kind of guy. And I think that, like, like they did with Trey Lance. I think they were just trying to raise the ceiling a little bit, and that might be something that they find themselves doing in a year's time with. With a guy like Kirk Cousins, for example. But for right now, Brock Purdy gives you a shot. You know, we do have them at 26, but with everything around him, he can make things work for sure and, you know, can get this team to, uh, you know, an NFC championship game and hopefully get them to break that, uh, break that Super Bowl ceiling that they've been struggling with. Yeah, for sure. Got to respect that. I mean, I'm almost embar- not embarrassed. I, I do stand somewhat behind it. Uh, I have the quarterback ranks for the 49ers coming in 19th, which is by far the highest out of the blitz by consensus. Got them ahead of teams like Jimmy Garoppolo for the Raiders. Yes, I stand by that. Bryce Young, rookie quarterback. I'll take Brock Purdy over that this year. Yes. Kenny Pickett played one of the worst efficient, like efficiency-wise seasons last year, not throwing touchdowns. So... I'll take Brock Purdy over Kenny Pickett. Justin Fields is a question mark. Danny Dimes is a question mark. I'd take him over Jordan Love, C.J. Stroud, Mac Jones, Sam Howell, all those guys. Like it's, and then you just get down to the bottom of the barrel. So, so I have him. I have him at twenty seventh. Uh, Mitchell has him at thirtieth. Tyler has him at twenty eighth. And I again, I mean, I you've heard what I've said about Brock Purdy, and I was higher than those two guys on him. I just think you take him 
away from Shanahan, you take him away from yeah. Christian McCaffrey, Debo Samuel, Trent Williams, and you start to see you're thinking a little bit differently about Brock Purdy. Like if we drop Jordan Love with all the hype that's been around him in Green Bay, if we dropped him in San Francisco, imagine <clears throat> the hype train that will be following a guy like Jordan Love right now. But at the or same time, like, like I don't know, like Trey Lance should have done good if this were just a system that you and the just thing is, drop like, look, anybody I'm, on the planet in, and then I'm it's like, okay, you play good, yeah, and I'm out I'm too. Out on Trey Lance. But if we're saying that it's a system that you just plug and play at quarterback, then Trey Lance should have been good. But Trey Lance not. has played it. Trey Lance played a game and a half. The game that he played was, but a he's slot the third fest. stringer now. We have he's behind second. Sam Darnold. We haven't. Did you I put mean, together we, the step chart, Kane? Okay, you're right. You're right. I mean, reports out of camp were that Sam Darnold's playing much better than Trey Lance, and everybody knows that Kyle Shanahan kind of well, hates Trey the other Lance thing is, they were forced into that trade. So, And he wanted Mac Jones, and I think that is what you're getting in Brock Purdy, is like a Mac Jones type of player. Uh-huh. They have similar skill sets, but Trey Lance, like the like funny stat, because we're in August and we're bored and we don't have any football yet, is that Geno Smith threw more passes last year than Trey Lance has thrown in a professional, or not a professional, but a organized football setting in his entire life. High school, college, professional. He has thrown less passes than Geno Smith, career backup, through last year for the Seattle Seahawks. Like, yeah, that's why I'm out on Trey Lance, is because... The experience was never there. It was always going to be a project. And with a team that's this ready to go, they tried to do the two timelines thing. And that so often does not work. And I just, I don't know. I don't think it'll ever happen with Trey Lance. I wasn't a big, I wasn't big on Trey Lance coming out of the draft. Um, I just, I don't think it'll happen for him. Yeah, I don't think so too. It's definitely worth talking about though, because they did spend a lot of capital to get him, I will and tell that's you kind though, of the only stink for the 49ers front office recently. You know. Yeah. Well, and the year be- it's kind of crazy is the year before they drafted Javon Kinlaw in the first round, who they basically mm-hmm. got it. They traded DeForest Buckner for a first round pick, picked Javon Kinlaw with that first round pick. Like they've built this roster, who we have a 26th ranked quarterback and the fourth ranked team after having back to back drafts where they got zeros in the first round. Like, we look at this past draft class, their third, their, I think their first or second pick in the draft was a kicker. They had, like, the worst draft of anybody. And they also traded three first-round picks to go get Trey Lance. The Dolphins turned those three first-round picks into Jalen Waddell, Tyree Kill, and mm-hmm. Bradley Chubb. Gross. Absolutely gross. And you don't, like, think and about they, the 49ers the when you talk about bad front offices. Yeah. Yeah, like, exactly. If it wasn't for the guys that they got in that like 2017 to 2019 run, and I mean even 2017 or 18, they picked um, Solomon Thomas third overall. Yep. Like, yep. I, I guess they just had a lot of swings. Their hits have been big hits. Their misses have been big misses. But because their hits have been so big, and you know Shanahan is a phenomenal coach, and they've got all these playmakers. You know they trade a third round pick for Trent Williams, who becomes the best tackle in the NFL. Shout out Commanders. Um, it all, you know, it all works out for them. We are 13 yeah. minutes in, by the way. Yeah. Just... Hey, it, it is important. <laughs> it's that my we fault. About I know. Brock I'm just saying. No, it's important that we talked about Brock Purdy. He was, that was like a big point of conversation. Probably oh, the biggest yeah, one sure. here. So let's move on though. Let's dive into this playmaker group that will make him so much better this year. And we've got them coming in at first overall among playmaker groups. Uh, so you start out with. The dude, CMC, Christian McCaffrey in the backfield, traded for him last year. I mean, can I take a little bit of a victory lap? I don't think I really took a rightful victory lap for calling Christian McCaffrey to San Fran. Like, I was clamoring for that. For, like, not not too much. Like, I wasn't waking up every morning saying that Christian McCaffrey was going to be a 49er. But when we were talking about trades, when it came to CMC – I kept mentioning the 49ers, so I'll take my victory lap there, and it has been great for Christian McCaffrey and San Fran. Uh, still got George Kittle there. Definitely has taken a step back, to say the least, um, but still one of the best tight ends in football. Uh, still got Debo there. Huge contract. Kind of hoping for more from Debo this season. Um, I, I've heard a lot of people talk about how they're going to use him more as a running back, but he signed the wide receiver contract, so it's like he signed that wide receiver contract with things in it saying, like, don't put me at running back because I won't be able to play as long. So 
I think they're going to utilize him as a receiver, but could see a big season out of Brandon Ayuk. Uh, he could very well end up being wide receiver one here in San Fran this year. We've seen flashes in the past. Um, he's kind of been in the doghouse at different times with Kyle Shanahan, but it seems like he's finally made himself out of there. Uh, got Jawan Jennings in the slots, um, but a really solid team to say the least, man. I mean, we got him coming in at number one on the playmakers, man. Is it Christian McCaffrey leading this charge, or do you see somebody else breaking out? Yeah, I mean, they've Obviously. got the gold. They've they've got the gold <laughs> font there at number one. This is our second group that we've revealed that has the number one, uh, you know, thing at that position has the number one ranking at that position, uh, and for good reason. You know, you have arguably the best running back in the NFL. You have a guy that. At tight end, you know, I think he's firmly in the tight end two conversation. I don't know if anybody's touching Kelsey, but, you know, there was a point in time when Kittle was healthy. You know, a lot of it gets taken away with fantasy because Kittle doesn't produce as much. But Kittle is one of the top run blockers at tight end in the NFL. It's a really good point. That doesn't get taken into account at tight end. Um, But, I mean, Kelsey is – I'm not making the argument that Kittle's better than Kelsey. But I did at one point in time. Um, yeah. I think that argument's it's over like now, people. though. Uh, but yeah. Kittle, still firmly one of the two or three best tight ends in the NFL. You have one of the best one-two punches at wide receiver in the NFL. I think Brandon Ayuk should take the wide receiver one reins here. I'm a big, big, big Brandon Ayuk guy. Um, even though they're paying Debo Samuel that big money, this is a about to be a contract year, or it's about to be the deci- year where they make the decision on the fifth year option for Brandon Ayuk. It's honestly going to be a tough one. Like he's going to be a really good player that might have his fifth year option declined. You think about the contracts on this team, just in this room, in this slide, Debo Samuel's making you know borderline top receiver money. Christian McCaffrey's getting paid at the top of the running back market. George Kittle getting paid toward the top of the tight end market. Trent Williams, Nick Bosa, Fred Warner. These are guys that are getting paid at the top of their position. And Brandon Ayuk, you know, while he's a phenomenal player and for 31 teams, he's getting the fifth year option picked up without a question. They might have to decline it here because they can't really afford it. Like, and even I will say they don't have to pay a quarterback. They do, and that's that's like that is the biggest advantage. That's why they traded up the draft, Trey Lance. That's why they're going to roll with Brock Purdy as opposed to probably going to get a Kirk Cousins like we mentioned a second ago. Um, But I find it hard to believe that Brandon Ayuk gets extended here, uh, as unfortunate as that is. But I am a big Brandon Ayuk truther. I've got him on every fantasy team that I can, you know, that is possible for me. Um, I like him over Debo Samuel, especially if you're talking about fantasy this year. I just don't know if that usage is going to be there for Debo. Um, And also the injury things, you know, he fell from wide receiver three in 2021 when he was healthy to wide receiver 40 last year due to injuries and just a lot of games where he didn't get the big play. And in those games where he doesn't get the big play, it's going to be kind of hard for him just because he's not going to get the opportunity with all these weapons here. Um, You are worried about the depth, uh, especially at wide receiver. You know, your slot wide receiver, Jawan Jennings, is not that great of a player, to be quite honest. I think he's a little Um, underrated. I think he's a little underrated. He's okay. He He definitely benefits from having, you know, maybe the four, the, you know, best top four in the playmakers department. I mean, obviously we have this as the top playmakers department, even with him here. Um, he definitely benefits from that. Uh, you got some other guys here, Danny, Gillette, Danny Gray, um, Steelers legend, Ray Ray McLeod here as well. Yeah. Um, you're not super excited about any of those pieces. If you do lose a Debo Samuel, you are talking about one of the weaker wide receiver rooms in the NFL. Um, even with Ayuk, you know, I, I think if that were to happen, if Debo were to miss significant time, we could see Brandon Ayuk emerge into like top 20, top 15 wide receiver conversations. Uh, I mean, when Debo if, wasn't on the field before, Brandon Ayuk has always been mm-hmm. had a great game. You know, I mean, like I do think that he's a wide receiver one for a, at least a handful of teams in the NFL. Again, you know, we can play the game of, you know, is he starting a, you know, is he a top 20 wide receiver? And then we name 20 wide receivers. But like, I think Brandon Ayuk could be that guy if given the opportunity, um, especially when you're talking about fantasy relevance, you know, this 49ers team has been able to support a lot of options. They have a lot of names here. Uh, the question becomes, you know, how many options can Brock Purdy uphold? Like how many, how many players can he keep fantasy relevant 
especially at the ADP that these guys are getting drafted at. I mean, Christian McCaffrey's getting drafted as one of the first two or three tight end or, or for two of the first three running backs off the board. Kittle's the same thing, and then Debo and Ayuk going around the same. I mean, range. in redraft, Christian McCaffrey is one of the first three picks. Yeah, period. yeah, like, like, yeah, you're picking really between him and him and Eckler um, in redraft, especially. Uh, that's where I'm worried as far as fantasy goes. Like, can Brock Purdy really uphold that? Um, and injury luck for San Francisco has not exactly been kind to them either. You do have Elijah Mitchell here as well. If you draft Christian McCaffrey, draft Elijah Mitchell, Elijah Mitchell could eat into his carries here. And that's what you're worried about. If you're stuck at that, excuse me, uh, at that third pick where Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase are gone, you're worried about Elijah Mitchell here. Um, other than that, they got Ty Davis, Ty Davis price who they drafted Mm -hmm. last year. So like, that running back room. I mean, yeah. we know that the 49ers like to use multiple running the, backs. The funny, it's going to be frustrating. The funniest part every year with San Francisco is if any team proves to you that you don't need to invest in running back is the 49ers. They have created dominant running games out of Raheem Mostert, out of Jeff Wilson. And every year they draft a running back in the third round. Then they trade, you know, four draft picks for Christian McCaffrey. Like it it is kind of funny just the way that they operate and how, you know, you can produce a very good running game without a good running back, but they keep investing in running back. And I think it's because, you know, if we can create a good running game out of Elijah Mitchell, out of uh, Raheem Mostert, imagine what we can do with Christian McCaffrey. Like, especially when you can do all the mismatch. That was my, that was my point the whole time. I know. Yeah. No, no, it's good shit, man. Uh, Last thing before we move on from the playmakers uh Debo Samuels 2021 like I want we know that Debo can put up elite production in a season we can't say the same about Brandon Ayuk we I mean Kittle's probably past that point now I mean Debo's only 27 like he's still in his prime like he should be set to have at least two more good years and in 2021 he had 1400 yards six receiving touchdowns and eight touchdowns on the ground like what? Can he stay like, healthy enough to do that again though? That's the question. Like this was a so guy young. that even before 2021 dealt with injuries too. This is why 2021 was such a surprise for everybody was because he was always in and out of the lineup in his first two seasons um you know with injury problems and then 2021 happens, you know, nobody really realized how good he was outside of San Francisco because they were only seeing him for 6 or 7 weeks a year. Maybe I'm being a little bit too harsh with that. I don't have the uh, game numbers in front of me. But he was lucky enough to stay healthy all through 2021. And then 2022 obviously was kind of a disaster season for Debo. Unfortunately, can't stay healthy when he's on the field. He was much less of an impact than he was in 2021. And, yeah, I think we're kind of down off the high on Debo. And, like, usually I'm a big post-hype buyer, but I don't even know if I'm there with Debo, unfortunately. I could see it. I could see it for sure, especially with the injury concerns. But let's move on to this O-line, who is a pretty stout unit, to say the least. We got him coming in at eighth overall. And you got to start with the guy, Trent Williams. What we were talking before the episode, like, besides Trent Williams... Not a lot of names on this team, that's for sure. I mean, I recognized a couple of guys, uh, former commanders, who were both backup centers for this team. Uh, but besides the big dog, the uh, silverback, Trent Williams, I mean, there's not much to look forward to on this offensive line. And we've got them in the top 10. So what's your case against this O-line? Look, I mean, we have them at 8th and... You know, like I've said a hundred times, you know, we go through this and we put these rankings together in May and we do it kind of like a rough draft and we just put them together. And then once we get to the teams, we do a little bit more research into, you know, who they've got, what they could be in the upcoming year. And after doing that, you know, you realize that you you could have some problems here with this offensive line. You know, Shanahan's scheme is a system that generally protects offensive linemen. It's created the number one offensive lineman in all of football the last three seasons, and that is Trent Williams. He's graded out first in 2020, 2021, 2022. Uh, it is the highest paid tackle, rightfully so. Uh, again, shout out Washington, third round pick. Let's go. Um but then you look around here, and if anybody off the top of their head that's not a 49ers fan can name all four uh, offensive linemen, again, there's no way you can prove this, and we will definitely not follow through on this promise, but we'll give you a shout-out. <laughs> um, but 
I mean, you're really, really struggling. I mean, you've got Colton McKivitz here filling in for Mike McGlinchey, who, you know, at worst, you're calling Mike McGlinchey a serviceable level tackle. He got paid very good money from Denver. Um, the rest of this interior, you know, Spencer Burford, Jake Brendel, Aaron Banks, you're worried. Like, you're legitimately worried if you're a 49ers fan, especially, you know, with the quarterback situation where Brock Purdy is mobile but is not, like, an elite-level creator uh, with pressure on him. You, He's a guy, like we talked about, that does need the situation to be close to perfect, and the rest of this offensive line, not named Trent Williams, is far from it. I mean, the highest grade, the highest ranking player that uh, played enough snaps, obviously Colton McKivitz falls short of that because they had Mike McGlinchey for a majority of last year, but uh, Jake Brendel at center was ranked 20th among all centers. Aaron Banks, 48th among all guards, and Spencer Burford, 67th among all guards. Um, I wouldn't, I honestly would not be surprised if Feliciano <laughs> does get some starting snaps here. Um, if Burford, George Kittle had a better uh, run block grade than the entire offensive line outside of Trent Williams. Yeah, like, and maybe that maybe that's a role that George Kittle plays this year. He plays like yeah. a sixth tackle role here, uh, be their little Nick Boyle uh, replacement uh, in San Francisco. But you know, we look at this in hindsight, and you're looking below, and you see some much more well-rounded offensive lines. You know, Minnesota has that nice pair of tackles and some nice some. If you guys on the interior, the Chargers, I would take the Chargers O-line, the Packers O-line. You're starting to get a little shaky the farther you move down, but it, there is a there is a benefit and there is an advantage to having Shanahan being your head coach and being your play caller here. Uh, but you really need to see some development from one of those four guys to feel better and even get them to this eighth mark this year. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, God forbid, if Trent Williams gets injured... Oh, yeah, yeah. Trent Williams Seriously. gets injured. We're talking about one of the worst six or seven lines in the NFL. Even if they are protected uh, by this scheme, you're seriously worried. And I honestly think that that moves this team down four, five spots in our overall yeah. rankings. You know, even in this NFC, Damn. it becomes you put it like, like that. You're probably right, but that's a wild thing you, to say. You, you, I, like, even with a, you know, a top six or seven defense, you know, maybe even higher than that. And the number one playmakers group, you now have a team that has a bottom, at the very best, bottom eight offensive line and the 26th ranked quarterback. Like, Brock Purdy running for his life is not something that I want to see happen. All or the Christian time McCaffrey, for, because we, or, he has an injury yeah. history. Yeah, or Christian McCaffrey. Yeah. And I mean, even. It's crazy. Yeah. It's rough. I mean, and that obviously, you know, if that if this offensive line gets picked apart, that running game that has been so successful for them, it's going to drop down in a couple ranks. Uh, if you can't run the ball to protect Brock Purdy, you're in trouble. You're in a lot of trouble. Yeah, Trent Williams also sure. 32. Yeah, dude. I was just – he's 34, bro. 34, and I – when he was in Washington, definitely had his streaks with injuries. I mean, he complained a lot about our trading staff and how they didn't treat him right, which is respectable. Um, but he's played 14 games in his first season, San Fran, 15 games in 2021, 14 games last year. But he has had an injury history. I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't play a full season last, this year as he gets older. So could be serious problems in San Fran there, but we will see. All right, let's move on from this offensive line, and let's dive into the front seven, which is an absolute unit. This is another unit that we have ranked towards the top. We've got him ranked third overall. Uh, got to start with Eric Armstead. Well, you got to start with Fred Warner, who is probably one of uh, – who are some linebackers you throw out into the same conversation as I Fred think... Warner over the last, like, ten years? Luke Keekley. I think that yep. might be where the bill stops for me. Dude, Fred Warner, like I talked about it uh, with Caden on the Ravens episode. I think Fred Warner's in a tier of his own right now at the linebacker position. You know, you have guys like Shaq Leonard, like Roquan Smith uh, in tiers below him. But I, I think Fred Warner's alone at the top right now at the linebacker position. I think he's head and shoulders. I, I don't know if this is like a crazy hot take, but I think the gap between him and the next closest guy at the linebacker position might be the biggest gap in the NFL. You know, maybe 
maybe a tackle with Trent Williams, you know, that's the next biggest gap, but you've got, you've got him here as well. I feel uh, like him maybe, and Bobby Wagner were going back and forth for a little bit, but Fred Warner yeah, is taking Bobby I mean, Wagner, you know, obviously taking a step back with age. Um, yeah, I think it's Fred Warner up there by himself. You know, Caden did make the argument that it's Roquan Smith and Fred Warner in that tier. Uh, but I, I, quite frankly, I do think it's Fred Warner alone at the top. And then along this defensive front, you've got Nick Bosa, who just won Defensive Player of the Year. Uh, phenomenal edge player. One of, you know, I think it's a group of four. I said it was Micah Parsons is the best defensive player in the NFL. I think Nick Bosa's in that conversation. Miles Garrett, TJ Watt, all right there. Like if anybody made an argument for either of those four guys, you know, you're going to get my respect there. Um, yeah, I probably should have mentioned the uh, defensive player of the year to leave yeah, off. Yeah, I was about I to say, starting with Eric Armstead was certainly a choice. Yeah, I know. Um, Eric Armstead, very respectable player in his own right, but you also have Javon Hargrave coming in here who had a phenomenal year in Philadelphia last year. Known Steelers legend Javon Hargrave, probably like one of the lo- most like low-profile Steelers that have ever just been let go and then like boomed after they left Pittsburgh. Like usually third round pick. Usually 20. usually when guys leave Pittsburgh, the things don't really go well for them, yeah. you know. Like usually Especially Pittsburgh the is, the, is the peak of the mountain. Yeah. Uh, but Hargrave has gone on and put together a phenomenal career. You know, if, if Hargrave would have signed somewhere, like let's say he went and signed in like Detroit or somewhere like that, somewhere that needs interior help, I would be a little worried because you look at the season that he put together last year was obviously a very good one, but in one of the best front sevens in the NFL in Philadelphia on one of the best defenses in the NFL uh, with guys like Hassan Reddick and Josh Sweat and, you know, that rotation, Fletcher Cox, Brandon Graham, they've got guys to keep Javon Hargrave fr- fresh. And if he went somewhere where he was like, all right, you are now the best player on this defensive front, I'd be a little worried. That would feel like one of those like classic, really good player on a really good defense, signs a top of the market deal, and then goes to a bad team and is just a good player again. But now he is thrust into the situation where he has Nick Bosa, where he has Eric Armstead, where he's got a Drake Greenlaw and Fred Warner on the back end, and he's not like the primary concern of the defense. I think you see a lot of what you saw from Javon Hargrave last year. I think you see a lot of the same stuff here again in San Francisco. Uh, Drake Jackson's second round pick last year was a guy that I liked a good bit. I think that you know if you can get even a little bit more out of him, you're really talking about a great group here. I mean, we have them at third for very good reason. Drake Greenlaw also graded out. You know, Fred Warner was second in PFF grade. Drake Greenlaw was ninth. Like. I, this is probably your premier linebacker duo in the NFL. You know, even Oren Burks. Willis and Bowman. Willis and Bowman. And then you got feels, Warner and Greenlaw. Feels, feels a little bit like that. And, you know, Dre Greenlaw f- kind of floated around the league for a little bit. Um, he's only in year four. I don't know why, but I thought he was in like year like six or seven. I don't He yeah. feels like he should be older. Is this, has he always bit. been with San Francisco? Uh, I believe so. No Fifth way. round pick out of Arkansas in 2019. Um, no I'm not sure though. Am I, I know I'm definitely. Getting I'll do some research, but you linebacker. keep talking. They're, yeah, they're, I'm definitely getting him confused with a different linebacker. Um, but he was phenomenal last year. Kind of had a breakout. That obviously was the best year of his career last year. Came um, in at number 79 on the top 100 too. Player voted. Yeah, I don't know who I'm mixing him up. It might be Quan Alexander, to be honest with you. Uh, um, yeah, love Steelers it. legend. Yeah, Steelers legend. Dude, New did Steelers you see? Legend. He got fined forty three thousand dollars for that hit, and he gets paid thirty two hundred dollars uh, during the preseason per week. It's the no fun league, man. It's no the fun. no fun league. That looks like a I fucking mean, clean hit too. Steelers that will was probably so pay for up. it because usually with stuff like that, the team will pay for it. But still, uh, back to the 49ers Yeah, I definitely think that if you wanted to argue this group at number two or even number one. Um, you're not going to hear too big of an argument from me. We do have them coming out here at number three. I don't know where I had them. I probably had them at three because of how high I am on Dallas. Oh no, I had them at number one. I had them at number one. Nice. Where did I you, have them? You three curious. had them. You three had the Eagles. Uh, you had the Niners at second. Mitchell had them at third. Tyler had them at fourth. Um, okay. But yeah. All top five finishes right there. So yeah. that's good stuff. Do you think Nick Bosa has a chance to repeat for Defensive Player of the Year before we move on? I don't know. Especially, you know, like I, when you did the depth chart, you know, technically he's not even on it right now because there's the contract holdout situation. Mm, good I point. Mean, 
he doesn't have anything to prove. It's not like this is a prove it year for Nick Bosa in a contract year. Like he just won defensive player of the year. Uh, very rarely do you see a defensive player of the year repeat just because, you know, like the sack numbers, like if Miles Garrett adds one more sack and a couple more pressures in there and the Browns defense is a little bit better, he's a strong candidate. Michael Parsons was a strong candidate last year. Yeah, I, I think TJ Watt in a healthy season with that defense around him going to always be a candidate I think those well. are the four guys though. Those oh yeah, it's one hundred percent. Like because as a corner, it's I feel like it's so hard to win. Aaron Donald maybe, but he's getting older, you know. Well, that and he's got no help. Like he's going to get triple teamed every. He's just not going to be able to put up the numbers to be able to do that. And I think all four of those guys, you know, we're, we're talking about. You know, we have the second ranked, third ranked, fourth ranked, and tenth ranked front seven. And I'd even be willing to put Cleveland higher, especially with some of the moves that they've made recently. Um, they can help elevate these guys to get those numbers that you know Aaron Donald at this point in his career and with the team around him probably isn't going to get to but it it is definitively one of those guys because it's just so hard to win as a corner now and you know even worse as a middle linebacker because your job's so hard as a linebacker and with corners you know unless you put together a 12 pick season or something like that you're probably not gonna you just don't have the counting stats available to you like there are with sacks and pressures right exactly Solid chance for him to repeat this year, but we will see how it plays out. But let's move on to this secondary as we dive into the last position group. Um, God, this is a less impressive group. We've got them coming in at 16th. Uh, we were talking a little bit before the episode. Maybe there's a little overhype on the former USC safety uh, Hawaiian with nice long hair who plays safety in uh, Hufanga. There we go. Okay. Hufanga. I don't know. I can't get the first name. Good luck with the first name. But yeah. Hufanga is the dude. I mean, he's fun to watch. 23rd out of 88 players in PFF grade last year among safeties. So, like, he wasn't, like, absolutely outrageously bad. But, like, like I'm saying it was oh, supported. No. Like, you could say that he was a good player last yeah, year. Yeah, he was, he was good. Uh, the Troy Palomalu comparisons kind of uh, kind of made me a little unhappy. I was trying to think of, like, a burst my bubble or something like that but i couldn't like i don't know why <laughs> i kept getting like rubbed my gills but that doesn't even make any sense at all what is the what, is, what am i looking for here yeah there's something there bro there's a phrase it's like it really it's, blanked my blank ruffled my feathers yeah i guess that's true. that's not what you're looking for there's something with gills no, though you, we'll figure yeah. it out we'll figure it out it's, it's definitely there's definitely something with gills um <laughs> But yeah, I mean, he was. This a good is what you come for. Yeah, this is what you come for. But and then Charvarius Ward was a guy who, when he was signed over from Kansas City, everybody thought it was a little bit of an overpay. He got a three years, uh, forty million dollars, and came out and played. You know, graded out as the sixth best corner in the NFL last year. And this was a group that we were severely worried about in the secondary. You know, Charvarius Ward is your CB one, and you're looking around, and there's not a whole lot else to support. Uh, you also lose Jimmy Ward from this group. That's definitely going to hurt. Was probably the best yep. player on this secondary. Not named Charberry Ward last year. It, yeah, you're you're worried um, about the rest of this group. You know, you re if you can get a sixth ranked season out of Charberry Ward again, twice in a row, you're very happy. And he's put himself into the top ten corner conversation. Hufanga, I think, could take another step here in year two. But uh, Tashawn Gibson is on his like ninth team in the NFL now. It feels like yep. uh, you got Isaiah Oliver here. Diamador. Who is kind of slept on. Isaiah Oliver, 10th yeah, out of 118 like quarters a, last year in PFF yeah. grade. Yeah, had a solid season with Atlanta. Um, Former second-round pick. Yeah. And then uh, I think it's Diamador. I think that makes the most sense with how I was looking. It's like a lot of like double letters. Yeah, Lenore. when I was putting together the depth chart. It's just one double letter. Lenore. Is it Lenore? Obviously, I it's imagine Lenore. it's Lenore. Uh, we do okay. have him as our breakout candidate here. Is probably the worst player on this group present day, um, but if he can take a step up, you're much more excited about this group here as well. The depth is also a bit of a problem. Um, you know, the starters aren't good. The bench isn't good either. Uh, the starters are fine, but you have a couple spots where you're looking around. And you're like, mm. be optimistic. Yeah, we're we're in, but you have we're at the front 14th. seven. So yeah, we gotta start. You have a front seven that's as good as it is that could very well finish out as the number one front seven in the NFL next year. Um, that's gonna help this secondary a lot. Like that's gonna keep pressure off these guys. You know, they don't have to cover for as long when they've got Nick Bosa, Armstead, 
uh, Javon Hargrave and Fred Warner even kind of being a little bit of an extension of this secondary is one of the only linebackers in the NFL that can, you know, be a serviceable uh, run defender and tackler and can also, you know, turn around and chase posts and stuff like that, that a lot of teams don't have that advantage. Um, so that definitely helps out with the coverage unit. So let's start to wrap it up here as we do the coaching slides. Uh, we got them coming in at second overall, and because of the man, the dude, Kyle Shanahan, who started as my very own man. He was in Washington when RG3 was there, heads over to Atlanta, gets Matt Ryan a nice MVP, takes him to the Super Bowl, yada, yada, and he's been fantastic in San Fran. I mean, they've got a Super Bowl appearance. I mean – making the playoffs every single year. He's one of the best. And if you wanted to call him the best coach in football, that's fine. Like, I wouldn't argue against that too much. Um, Huge Kyle Shanahan guy. I mean, there's not really much to say, man. I mean, the dude's a guru, and he's going to coach for a long time. Yeah, I mean, Kyle Shanahan has been one of my favorite coaches in the NFL. I remember, I don't know if it was last season or the year before last, where they started out pretty slow, and there were a lot of calls for Kyle Shanahan to maybe lose his job. I thought was insanity you know I've said this about Mike Tomlin I've said this about a number of other guys where it's like if you know X team fires this coach there will be teams that will fire their head coach immediately so that way they can be ready for you know a Kyle Shanahan or Mike Tomlin or a guy like that Uh, he's created one of the most common schemes in the NFL you're seeing the some variation of the Shanahan scheme and probably a little bit over half of the NFL teams now. Um, you know, it's one of the most revolutionary offenses, maybe even in the history of the NFL, as far as like yeah. the impact it's had on the rest of the league. You know, defenses are being schemed to learn how to stop this, um, stop this scheme. Uh, there's kind of some questions about maybe the culture. Like he's not like that, you know, he's not a rah-rah guy. He's not, you know, like – he doesn't have like a Tomlin. I think behind or... the scenes, he's a little bit more like fire. Yeah, up. and I mean, I don't think that like he's like a total like problem. Like, who's like the best example of that? Of like, just doesn't care. Joe Judge uh, just comes to mind for me a little bit of like just like is doesn't care. Yeah, I'm trying to think of guys. Uh, ooh, ooh, uh, Brian Flores. Ah, well, yeah. And the, the one that just came for me was Arthur Smith. Like, Arthur Smith, Yeah. we talked about when we did the Falcons episode of, like, maybe there's a little bit of question of culture there. But Mike McCarthy. Think, yeah, like, I think that's the only criticism you can really draw on Shanahan is, I mean, you even look, you know, he's an offensive guy. He's put a guy like D'Amico Ryans in a position to go get a, um, to go get a head coaching job. They had Raheem Morris here as well. Um, they bring in Steve Wilkes, who had a nice little run That's to finish huge. the season uh, with Carolina as the interim head coach there. I think that he could 100% maybe put himself back in the conversation for defensive coordinator or for head coaching jobs. The only problem is he's a little bit on the older side. Teams are looking for youth now. So especially – You just lost that youth in D'Amico. Older defensive coordinator. You got the two things that teams don't really want in a head coach anymore – uh, as unfortunate yeah. as that may be for him, you know he definitely deserved a fair shot in Carolina. I don't, it's I don't really know if he got it. I remember that being a conversation point, but uh, is going to be it not an upgrade, but it could have been a lot worse as far as downgrading from D'Amico Ryan's at defensive coordinator. You also have Clint Kubiak uh, here as the offensive coordinator as well. Needs to figure this shit out because he was the passing game coordinator in Denver last year and was <laughs> one of the biggest uh, crashing and burning failures in the NFL last year, so you really hope he can figure this out, but I think... It's just know, a title, man. This Shanahan's is, yeah, this is Shanahan's offense. He's calling the plays here. You know, Gary Kubiak going to be... Or Clint Kubiak, excuse me. Not to... Uh, you know, I know you're aging yourself a little bit there. Yeah. I know. Um, he's going to be much more of a pass game coordinator here um, with Shanahan's going to be calling the play. So, overall, we do have this as the second-ranked uh, group. I can't reveal who we have at number one. I feel like number one's pretty set in stone, but, you know, there aren't any, probably any other head coaches other than the guy that we have at number one that I'm taking over, Kyle Shanahan. I mean, these top four teams, all the, uh, in the coaching spots, I think all those coaches are Hall of Fame coaches. Oh, yeah. 
I th- Shanahan's tough because he's younger. Oh, doesn't have. Dude, he's I young. Okay, he's been a head coach for five years. Okay. All right. Well, when these, you put it like that, okay. Yeah. All right. I mean, like looking down the ro- looking down a little bit, like I think McVeigh probably has a stronger Hall of Fame case than Shanahan does. He kind of implemented his own version of the Shanahan scheme. Like some teams are running that version some teams are running the mcveigh version of the shanahan scheme but he's got a super bowl appearance he's also got a super bowl title um and has had like legit sustained sustained success the only stain on his resume really was last season kyle shanahan had a couple not so great years here in san francisco um and then like pete carroll john harbaugh i think have stronger cases as well really just because they've been doing it longer dude harbaugh's got He's got 11 winning seasons in 15 years. He's got a Super Bowl win. Pete Carroll has a Super Bowl appearance and a Super Bowl win in 12 years. They've probably only had one or two losing seasons, if that. Okay. Shane, I, I think, think you just gotta I mean, give we him have him time. at second. We have him at second. So, obviously, yeah. we're very high on Kyle Shanahan as a coach and the rest of this coaching staff. And I think that if he coaches this 49ers team for 8 to 10 more years, he's in there. But right. you're probably going to need to see some team success. Like, he's probably going to need to win a Super Bowl to get in there. I mean, you look at all the head coaches in the NFL. I can't – I mean, I can't name too many head coaches that are in the Hall of Fame just because I I, I don't know the head coaches in the Hall yeah. of Fame. But I can't imagine too many of them are in there without a Super Bowl win. Yeah. No, That's you're right. Part. You're right. A, bit, a ring is a big part of it. He's going to coach for a long time, like I let off with. Yeah, um, but his should. resume is already so insane. Like, he – brought up rg3 in that scheme he uh let, like i said he led matt ryan and the falcons to a super bowl got matt ryan an mvp so it's like that resume is already crazy and he'll continue to build on it and the fact that we have this team rated at two in coaching after they lost to mika ryan's like that's that's pretty impressive mm-hmm. so good ship for the 49ers but let's keep rolling uh we got the schedule now strength schedule this year is uh, 15th. The Vegas over-under on the win total is 10.5. And And looking at this schedule, definitely pretty colorful, but I'm easily going over 10.5. And And this might be the easiest over that I've taken out of all the power rankings. This one feels pretty good to me because this team, when we talked about the Trent Williams situation where if he misses time, you're in trouble, but if Brock Purdy misses time, like, you're not freaking out about San Francisco. Like we were freaking out last year when Jimmy Garoppolo went down, they bring in Brock Purdy and he is, you know, almost everything that Jimmy Garoppolo was. Some would argue he was even more. So like you're more worried about your left tackle getting injured than your quarterback getting injured. And that's kind of why we have this team at fourth is because they're not so dependent on one player at one position to sustain, to sustain their success which is why I'm going over as well. I mean, I've said it, I said it during the Steelers episode. They're losing in week one. We play too well in week one to lose. They're going to lose in week one. <laughs> well, but that's all right because that, they got the Rams after that. After that, then... you know, you're looking around the schedule. They do have to go to Philly. Damn, that's all the way in week 13. <laughs> yep. Like, Good God, man. I mean, like you play Cowboys... Cincy in week eight. Yeah, Cowboys like, and Cincy, but you got both of them at home. See, in oh, Seattle, you might you might have this team some could troubles. win fifteen games. See, the quarterback situation makes it tough for me. But outside of Philadelphia and your divisional games, all your tough games are at home. I if mean, Brock Purdy proved anything last year, he's a winner. He can win the games. Will he play? Will he be a top fifteen quarterback this year? Who knows? But. I think he could lead this team to 15. Also, have to remember, and this is you know much more for people that are putting actual money on this and putting it into a sports book. 49ers, one of the most cursed teams injury wise over the past few seasons in the NFL. They've dealt with some of like I mean that 20. I think it was a 2020 season where they lost everybody, just like boom, and that's the year that they were like 12. They were. Picking oh, twelve, yeah. and they traded up for Trey Lance, Bosa, Kittle, all of them. Yeah, all those guys. So that's something you got to keep in mind here. Is this is one of the most snake bitten teams in the NFL as far as that goes? But if they can stay healthy, I, I feel like there's no way that they can't clear eleven wins. Yeah, for sure. Gotta love it. All right, let's roll on and dive into the rankings segment as we really start to wrap it up. 
Uh, got them ranked fourth overall in the consensus rankings. Uh, offense comes in at fourth. Uh, the defense comes in at sixth overall. And then we got the championship window open, and it's probably one of the more optimistic championship windows that we got because it's two to three years left. So how much you elaborate on that, man? Yeah, this is the biggest or um, I guess largest championship window that we've had to this point. You know, the only ones that we've had open, we've had like either cracked open and we've had one to two years left or closing fast. Um, the reason why it's two to three years left here is because you don't have a quarterback contract you're waiting on. Now, two to three years from now, you will have to make a decision on Brock Purdy. You may have already gotten a new quarterback by that point. Um, the other thing is, you know, you've got a guy like Trent Williams, who's your linchpin on the offensive line. He is 34. If he goes down, and even before he goes down, you're going to need to rebuild this offensive line all across the board. Um, and Christian McCaffrey's probably only got like a couple more years, more left productive of years. Really, yeah, really productive. So maybe if this he is doesn't leaning, get snake bitten by injuries, which he had been in the past, but yeah, yeah, maybe this is leaning a little bit closer to one to two. Um, but at least as of right now, this NFC is really weak and a roster this good. You know, you can make an argument independent of quarterback is the best roster in the NFL. They can be competitive all the time. Like they can be competitive throughout the next two to three years. You know, I definitely think two to three years from now, we're still talking about this team as the leader in the NFC West. Um, Seattle would... I, I honestly think they would either need to build a San Francisco-like roster uh, around them, which they're trying to do, and they're doing a pretty good job of it so far, um, or they need to make an upgraded quarterback. You know, we don't know what Geno is going to be, but they should be head honcho in this division for a little bit. And if you're winning, if you're the favorite in your division every year, I feel like your championship window is at least cracked open. Uh, yeah. At the very worst, especially when you look around at these other teams in this conference, your only team that you're really punching up at is Philly. And that's the team that knocked you off last year. You know, you had some quarterback troubles heading into that NFC Championship game or in that NFC Championship game. Christian McCaffrey ended up taking a few snaps in the Wildcat. Um, yeah. Like, a little rough. that's, you're, you're punching up at them right now. You're waiting for them to get picked apart. If they can get through Philadelphia or if they can get somebody like a Dallas to knock off the Eagles before they meet them, this is a team that could very well make a Super Bowl run, but you know, you've kind of got to knock Philly off. Like they've become over, over really just a season. They've become rivals. Like all the talk from like Debo Samuel and those guys, like talking shit to the opposing yeah. team. Like they've built a rivalry here across division over the course of a season, which I think is really special. But yeah, I think fourth for the offense, we look at the playmakers, the offensive line again, independent of quarterback. That's probably one of the best groups in the NFL. It's just a matter of can Brock Purdy get you there. Uh, defense at sixth, it really is a concern about the secondary. If the secondary can play up to the 16th or maybe even a little bit higher, you're definitely fulfilling this sixth ranking. Um, but yeah, fourth ranked San Francisco 49ers. I think this is pretty, pretty good team with a real shot at a Super Bowl. Yeah, for sure. And last thing I'll say about the window is that as long as you, we talked about it a lot, but like as long as you have Kyle Shanahan, that window is pretty much going to be open. You know, he's yeah. basically like a franchise quarterback. So, got to love it for the 49ers headed into 2023, but that just about does it. Got three teams left, man, and then the NFL season is here. But we will catch you guys later. Peace!